welcome to This is Growth, the podcast where we help you build and scale modern customer success organizations. This month's episode is here and I am so excited for you to listen to this one. Our guest is Ryan Seams. He's the Senior Director of Customer Success and Services at Mixpanel. If you haven't heard of them, Mixpanel is a product analytics tool. And what's really cool about their strategy is that they lean heavily on product-led growth, or PLG for short. And I know you are interested in this topic because for the last year, I have been getting so many questions about how to run customer success in companies that use PLG. But if this is the first time that you're hearing about product-led growth, let me bring you up to speed. Product-led growth, it's what says on the tin, a strategy where the product is the primary driver of the customer acquisition, engagement, and retention. Companies that use PLG try their best not to have humans in the typical go-to-market teams, like customer success and sales. Their goal is for their customers to buy and use their tools without having to talk to anyone. They lean fully on scale motions. But reality isn't always that simple. A few companies are running primarily on product-led growth, but what you see more often are companies that are a mix of product-led growth for the lower end of their target market, so the smaller customers can self-serve, And then the larger and more strategic customers will still get a more traditional customer success experience. And for that reason, because it's so nuanced, I wanted to bring someone that could give us a practical view into what CS looks like in a product-led growth company. And Ryan is the man for this job. He has nine years of experience building the CS business in Mixpanel. And he has learned a ton of lessons that he's sharing with us so we don't have to make the same mistakes as we scale. So if you're ready, go put on your running shoes, grab your headphones and let's dive in. Ryan, it's so good to have you here in the podcast. Uh, I am excited for my listeners to get to know you. So tell us, who are you? What do you do? And give us a, a, an idea of what your company looks like. Yeah, thanks, Daphne. Excited to be here today. Um, for those listening, my name is Ryan Seams. Uh, I head up the customer success and professional services function over at Mixpanel. Um, Mixpanel is a product analytics uh, company. For those of you who have used it in the past, great. For those of you who have not, uh, what we do is we actually help uh, companies collect data about what their users are doing on their apps, their websites, any type of device connected to the internet and understand what's the user's journey, where do they drop off, and how can I optimize my experience for better uh, outcomes like retention, long-term value, et cetera. Um, in terms of what I do over at Mixpanel, uh, our team on the customer success side We're really responsible for all of the uh, customer getting to value after they've purchased the product. And so the way that we think through that, right, is we typically start first with an onboarding with that customer where we define what are the outcomes for you with Mixpanel? What's going to make Mixpanel a success at your organization? 
we go and build a plan. We help them actually implement the product, go train the end users to get them using it, make sure that they're well adopted. And then of course, right, if that all goes well, we can go and repeat that same process um, with other teams, business units, products, et cetera, within that company. And, you know, of course, not all of those go well. And so we're there uh, as well to, you know, clean up the mess and reset expectations when we need to, right? So if we have a customer who isn't at value, we can go sit down with them, have a frank conversation. And again, go figure out what will make Mixpanel success for them and, and build the plan to get there. And so um, our team over at Mixpanel, we've got about 30 people on the customer success side. We also work very closely with our support team, who's another about 30 people. Um, and together we're a pretty uh, small but mighty team in terms of helping our, our large customer base. Yeah, thank you for that context. One of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you is we were both part of the AI uh, summit that Matic organized. And you were saying that uh, Mixpanel is a product-led growth organization. And whenever we say PLG, people have all of those question marks. It's like, what does it look like? Does it mean we don't have customer success managers? Is there like, what, what is the service model when you are in PLG? So we are so curious. Tell us, how does it all work in Mixpanel? Yeah, so uh, I think first things first, Mixpanel is fully product led for the majority of our plan types. So if you go to mixpanel.com slash pricing, uh, if you're not logged in, so if you're already a user, you'd have to go in an incognito window to see this. You'd actually see we have three different plan types. And so we have a free plan. Anyone can get started, test the product, see if they like it. We have a growth plan, which is purchased entirely online using your credit card, no humans involved in the process. And then we have an enterprise plan, which you can also purchase online, which is fully product led. But of course, if you're going to have some really high volumes and complexity, you'd, you'd probably come in and talk to our actual team. In terms of where customer success sits specifically, we're really focused in on that enterprise plan segment. You can imagine this is where all of our contract or our customers on contract actually sit. And within that, we actually start to segment that customer base, really not just based on things that are maybe classical things like ARR and uh, segment and number of employees, et cetera. But we really try to think of it more as how do we segment that group based on the actual buyer intent of the customer. How do we give them the right level of service based on not just how much they're going to spend or how many employees they have, but rather the complexity of that account. And when we, when we say that, what we mean is for, you know, a company that's just going to go and sign up and maybe spend, I don't know, 30 K with Mixpanel, they're probably a smaller company. They don't have tons of resources. They're not going to have a lot of complexity. And so we're often working with, you know, maybe a handful of people at, at that customer account. There's, you know, probably a developer, maybe there's a customer champion, someone who's the executive buyer, but that they could also have one person that's all three of those personas at the account. And so working with an account like that is actually relatively simple from the customer success perspective, right? You just have a few people you need to convince and work through and, and make successful. As you look towards, you know, the higher spend and, you know, the more employees, the complexity of that account goes up. And that's really where customer success spends a lot more of our time is, you know, in an organization like an Uber who has a product team, who's thousands of people with hundreds of different teams, how do we go and actually make each of those individual teams successful? And something I like to say internally, right, is if you have, you know, one big account with 50 different product teams, it's basically the same thing as 50 accounts that each have just one product team. 
it's just the approach of how you want to help them from a customer success and support perspective differs wildly because in that big account, having context and continuity is really important on all those small accounts, right? Anyone who's actually enabled and has the right skill set can go sit with that customer and figure out how to get them the value. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I want to pause here because I think one of the things that you said that not everybody realizes is that it doesn't matter if you're PLG, if you are product-led growth, when it gets to the high complexity, high value accounts, you still have a customer success team that is servicing those customers because your PLG doesn't mean that you're product-led in every segment and everything that you do. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So thank you for sharing it. And the other thing I would love to um, dive a little bit deeper with you is what happens to all of the accounts who don't get a CSM? Like who's responsible for them? How are you nurturing them? Do they count into the overall retention number? Tell me what happens with those guys? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I, I kind of described the three types of plans, right? There's the free, the growth, the enterprise. In the enterprise, right, you'll have some level of one-to-one human interaction and can get that support for us. But uh, if we look at like growth and free, for example, uh, I think you have to make the right investments in one-to-many resources that actually resonate with, with your customers. And I think, you know, depending on the type of company you are, the strategy you employ there can be very different. For us specifically, uh, our customers really enjoy using Slack. It's just their primary mode of communication. And so one way, for example, we've actually tried to help all those customers is we've created a Slack community. So we have a Slack community with, I think, seven or 8,000 members at this point where you can ask a question, other mixed panel users can actually come in and give you an answer. And of course, in that space, we're actually you know looking into how can we employ things like AI to help maybe have somebody ask a Slack question and to try to help them reason to what's the right help article or video or whatever I need to watch to really get to that answer at the end of the day. I think the other piece is if you really want to be a PLG company, right? You don't want people on your team answering repetitive questions. And so if you have support tickets that are all coming in about the same thing or your customer success team is spending a lot of time on the same phase of an onboarding process or uh, getting stuck in this part of adoption, right? You need to create one-to-many resources that work for your customers. And again, Mixpanel is a pretty technical product. Our buyers are quite technical. They typically prefer docs. And so we've actually gone through the process of really updating our documentation, but then making it open source to everybody. So now our customers can update docs, customer success managers can update docs, support engineers can update docs. Anyone who figures out, hey, I've answered this question three or four times this week, maybe I should go publish the answer online and give that answer to all of our customers. Those little things go a long way towards helping you achieve scale so that you don't always need a person to come in and answer the same question over and over again, right? You can actually put that out into your docs, give accessibility through things like a community to your users, and then you know have your CSMs, your support uh, agents, et cetera, spend time on what, are, what I would consider more exciting high leverage activities than just being on calls to answer things that you know your docs or your resources don't actually help the customer uh, get the value with. Yeah, I love that you're talking about empathizing with your user and understanding where they live and how they want to consume information. Because I think what happens to many companies is that the the person creating 
the enablement content has a bias towards what is the medium they like. So for example, if I am, I'm, I'm better at writing, I love writing my newsletter, my articles. So I have this bias that other people like consuming content that's written content. And if I don't go deeper into this and figure out like, how do my users like consuming information? What kind of forums they want to be part of? Then I risk investing a lot of resources in building things that are not going to be adopted. And even as simple as like a Slack community, like you said, like Slack is a system that is already in a lot of those developers' stacks, right? They're used yep. to using it. And one of my pet peeves is when you're onboarding people and you're giving them um, your new product already to adopt into their stack. And they're like, oh, and we use this other product to do the onboarding. That's where all of our tasks live. And you're like, I'm already using this product and you want me to learn how to use the second product in the middle of this onboarding. So I love that you figured out like, what is the place that the developers, the, the users that we have are already part of and how can we leverage that? So that is so cool. I guess if anyone's listening and they're very new new to this, like I would highly recommend uh, talking to some of those users, just do some user interviews as well as experiment, right? It's very easy to run a quick webinar series for a month or try, you know, a community, et cetera, and see what people are interested in. So I, I would just recommend like experiment first, see what actually resonates with those users and, and choose, you know, hey, let's pick the thing that the users are most excited about not necessarily try to like launch some program without any idea of what's going on with, with your end users. Yeah, that is like, it's a true agile experimental yeah. way of doing things like start small, see the feedback you get and iterate from there, which again, I think a lot of people fail there. They go big design up front. Yes. They, they think about this big idea they have, they spend a year developing it, they launch and it flops. And then everybody is upset and disheartened. And you start hearing things like, oh, we tried that and it never worked. Um, but you never really included your, your users, your customers into the process of designing that which by the way is fantastic that you've made all of your resources uh, uh, open source that people can come and suggest edits and um, add to those documents. It really becomes a community effort. And I don't know if many, uh, if many companies do that kind of stuff. I think people have this idea that it has to be really shiny, really perfect in a website that looks really well. And I agree with that to some to some extent, like you don't want something that looks um, completely unprofessional. But again, developers are used to open sourced content, right? So that that's such a cool idea. So Ryan, another thing that I wanted to dive in with you is now you explain to us like you have this entire long tail of customers that are being serviced by community and by scale plays. But when you think about those enterprise accounts that you talked about, you know, you have it, it looks like one customer, but it's really 50. Are there any scale plays that your team is using to service those accounts? Yeah, so I think one thing that's really important uh, is understanding like right when someone signs up is their moment of highest intent with your product. And in the case of we're already in an account and it's a new user, right? That's a completely different thing than like, this is the very first person from some email domain to sign up for your account. And with them in particular, 
what we're trying to do is understand how do we guide that user down the right journey for where they're coming from to be successful with Mixpanel. And so if somebody, for example, signs up tomorrow for Mixpanel from IBM, right? If we tell someone at IBM, here's the documentation to go get started, go install the snippet and get implemented in less than five minutes, you're gonna be like, whoa, no, no, no. We have like a whole sales process we wanna go through. We need to talk about a migration. There's a lot of things that go into that. And so uh, right when someone signs up, we're trying to actually segment those users to guide them down the right path of, hey, if you are a small company and you just wanna get started, let's go get started and here's the resources for you. If you are a larger company, right, you can get started, but also here are the actual like guides and resources we have available to help you migrate from where you are today to using Mixpanel. And especially with the larger companies that are out there, right, we find that no matter what, they're migrating from something before they come to Mixpanel. Whether that's a tool or some, you know, internal processes cobbled together that produce, you know, analytics and reports, uh, they are trying to move from point A to mixed panel. And so they actually need a lot of help in terms of how do I design this like customized plan to go from point A to point B. And so I think it's first important to try to segment customers there, right? So that in that self-serve experience, even they can go down the right journey. And then in terms of once you're actually, you know, running customer success plays at, at scale, uh, I think one of the, the areas that we've really been successful with scale is I think everybody needs help in onboarding. It's just inevitable. Even if you give them the best documentation and you give them beautiful videos and everything that you imagine could get them through onboarding, they're still gonna have questions when they get stuck. They're gonna need somebody to say, hey, I'm not sure exactly how to implement this. Can you give me some quick advice? Hey, I'm not sure how to, I don't know, bring this data into Mixpanel. Can someone give me some uh, you know, instructions on how to do that? And so for us, what we found um, is that focusing our team's time on onboarding and then those cases where someone really needs to get unblocked and, and uh, get answers to get to value later are really the two key moments of, for us to be successful with that customer. Everything else that happens in the middle, right? Those are the areas where your docs, your community, all the other resources you have can answer a lot of those users' questions. And so um, what we've done uh, for our customers who are, you know, below kind of the top tier of accounts is we've actually moved to a, a pooled model for our resourcing. And so we help them with onboarding. We help them if we've identified there's potentially something with their data or their adoption of the tool that could prevent them from getting value and might lead to a churn. And basically those are the two key points where we go and assign CS resources to help. The rest of the journey, right, is very uh, self-led and self-serve along the way. And so um, probably very different than your classical, like CSM has a book of 50 accounts and we're trying to talk to all 50 of them. And at least in my experience, right, probably only 30 of them even reply to you on, on some cadence. You don't have a strong relationship with like half of them. We instead kind of flipped that model on its head and said, okay, well, if there's 25 customers who really do need help and want to talk to us, why are we spending someone's time trying to get in touch with those other 25 that doesn't really want to talk to us and doesn't want to engage anyways? And basically we increased our CS capacity by thinking differently and saying, hey, if somebody could actually cover a hundred or 200 accounts, if we know only 50 of them are going to be engaged with us at any point in time, and we know those 50 actually have real uh, legitimate problems that they need customer success to come in and help with. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you figure out, first of all, like what are the moments that matter? Yeah, the, yep. the onboarding piece, like you said, like is a really critical part of the journey. You need to help customers there. But also what it sounds like is that there is enough information there to be able to identify the risk, right? So when, for example, there isn't a, um, when their data isn't synced, right? Or, or whatever that looks like inside Mixpanel. So tell me like, what, what tech are you using to help people prioritize or identify those, those risks or those opportunities? Yeah, so um, we've had a kind of a journey around our customer success stack, uh, but over the last 18 months, um, we've consolidated onto Vitally. So it's a customer success platform. For us in particular, um, the big thing at Mixpanel is that we actually centralized our entire data infrastructure on the data warehouse. And so this might be a different concept depending on where you are, but a lot of the traditional customer success platform usage is you buy the customer success platform, it integrates directly with Salesforce and HubSpot, and the data just syncs between the two. For us, we have all of this useful information and data sitting in our data warehouse around what are they doing in the product? What does our billing system say about this customer? Uh, how long have they been a user, et cetera? Not all of that necessarily makes its way into Salesforce or HubSpot for us to go and actually use that information. And so we actually centralize on the data warehouse. And so we were really looking at customer success platforms that would allow us to take advantage of all of that great information we had in the data warehouse and go and action it versus having our end users kind of like looking across five systems and internal tools to like figure out what's going on with an account. And so what we've been able to do by um, kind of centralizing really our customer data model and then using a customer success platform that allows us to, to action that data um, is get really specific with how we want to consider a customer's health, how we want to alert people when there's trends going up or down happening in within those accounts. And then you could actually, you know, within these tools, do things that are really complex now, like, hey, five new people signed up from this domain today on your account. They're probably doing a demo to their other team within, you know, the context of Mixpanel. You should probably reach out. Or, hey, they stopped sending us data today. That's probably a big red flag, right? If no one's sending data anymore, they're probably going to churn. And so you can do things like set up those types of alerts and get very specific. And so that's kind of how we run the, the team day to day. And then of course, there's a number of, of tools within our stack that are pretty important for us to just share knowledge and collaborate as a team. You know, I mentioned earlier, right? Our customers like to use Slack. That means we should be using Slack every day. And, and that's primarily how we communicate and share knowledge. We're big users of Notion where we store a lot of our account plans, our playbooks, et cetera, really those long form, you know, internal guides and, and documents. And then uh, I will say just shameless plug for Zapier because Zapier can do magic. When, when everything else fails, Zapier can really help you just connect one thing to another and make, make something work. And uh, we basically take all of the projects our team works on with customers, all of our win-loss notes, et cetera, and through Zapier, create Slack channels where everyone at the company can go and consume information on why are we winning and losing deals? What's been successful or not with, you know, these types of projects or onboardings with customers as well. 
Wow, that is fantastic. And I absolutely love that you are leveraging the data of how customers are using the product to, to actually inform what activities the CSMs do. Because I think, like you said, most people are like looking at engagement data, but not looking so much at product data. Or when they look at product data, it's really unorganized and there's not really a well, so what? You know, okay, you're, you're telling me that the customer is behaving this way, but, but is this important? Should I contact them? Should I prioritize them? What does this mean? So I love that you're doing that. And I think it's definitely one of the key things to succeed in scaling customer success is allowing your resources to be focused on the stuff that matters. So I, I really do love that. And I am with you with Zapier. Zapier is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I also used loads, loads of Zapier in my time. Um, Ryan, a last question before we part. And thank you so much for everything that you've shared so far. What do you think is the biggest challenge with product-led growth? <laughs> I think ultimately, right, when, when you're thinking about product-led growth, um, you know, some customers are going to need one-to-one -one help. Some aren't. But I think it's getting your whole company to understand and uh, align together. Who are the customers that are going to need one-to-one -one help and we need to assign the resources to? And what are the ones that we want to go leave to their own devices and figure out how to use the product on their own journey? And I think a lot of the cases where challenges come up are where there's misalignment between teams and who's in each of those groups and how you're going to go and actually handle them. And so you end up with cases where, I don't know, a salesperson selling one-to-one -to, -one to an account, but after they become an account, they're only going to get access to documentation. That's a really bad customer experience. And so the quicker your, your team can align on, hey, what are the different segments? What are the ones that are gonna be left to the one-to-many resources and you know have less support? And what are the ones we wanna prioritize for one-to-one -one support? The quicker all of you can align on, great, this is a great strategy and journey for this segment, for this segment and that segment. I think when you have a lot of different teams, right, and especially in the classical like startup go to market structure, you're structured in these like departments, not the actual segments that the users and the customers are going to live in. And so you should really think through the lens of what is that experience in the segment they're going to be in and that journey, not how does CS help them, how does support help them, how does sales help them, because then you're going to run into a lot of these conflicts where the, the experience for the customer is not really aligned with um, the segment and the journey that you want to give to them. Wow, that's gold. That is such a good challenge slash advice. Um, I think alignment is the root of so many evils and the root <laughs> of all good. So Ryan, thank you so much for sharing with us, for being here today. I am excited that everybody gets to learn from you. And I will definitely add to the show notes where they find you as a, if they want to learn more. Yes, please reach out. I'm always happy to have a little like 30 minute sync and just chat about customer success. So uh, please do reach out on LinkedIn. And uh, thanks for having me today, Daphne. It was fun. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to support the podcast, make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're feeling generous, please share with your colleagues or friends that's the best way to help me spread the word and finally if you're loving this content don't forget to sign up to the this is growth newsletter it's a weekly email that hits your inbox on a friday with practical tips on how to build and scale modern customer success organizations 
Thank you for listening and I see you next month.